and he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Would you bow your heads this morning in this place? If, if, you're, if you're feeling under the weather or you have family who's under the weather, would you just lift your hand right now? We're going to pray for this sermon. We want to pray for sick people right now in Jesus' name. The cross afforded us healing, people. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the sacrifice of the cross. I pray today. We know you're already here. You're so evident this morning to us. I just pray you continue to bless this place with your presence, your manifest presence as our pastor preaches. I pray for every person in this place who feels under the weather, who has family or friends under the weather. Lord, you're the healer. And I pray today you would reach down and take sickness out of bodies today and that your name be glorified because of it in the name of Jesus. Affliction, lift from homes sickness lift from homes today in the name of jesus and then the power of calvary we ask these things lord once again we welcome your manifest presence into this place amen and amen praise the lord you may be seated this morning i can't believe it another year is almost passed and how fast and how quickly that time is getting away from us everything seems to be so accelerated time is not only accelerated but everything we do seems to be accelerated we're more busier now even though we got more to uh, things to help us to travel more things and gadgets to help us to find uh, information faster and seems like we got all the modern day conveniences yet our time just slips away because everything's so fast Reminds me of a little story I heard some time ago about a man driving down the road, and he's driving down the road, and he's going 40 mile an hour, and he looks out the side of his window, and there's a chicken, and this chicken's running right alongside of him, and he's thinking, man, I'm going 40 miles an hour. This chicken is going 40 miles an hour. So he sped up, and he got up to about 50 miles an hour, and he looked out the window, and there's that chicken. He thought, how can a chicken run 40 miles an hour? And he got to looking, and it looked like that the chicken had three legs. And he got to thinking, this chicken's got three legs. So he sped up to 60 mile an hour. And all of a sudden, the chicken was right beside him. And all of a sudden, the chicken just took off and outran him. And then all of a sudden, he seen the chicken turn and go up to a barnyard, and an old farmhouse. He thought, I'm going to check this out. So he drove up there and an old farmer come out and said, can I help you? He said, sir, I know you're going to think I'm crazy. He said, but I was driving down the road. And he said, I seen this chicken. He tells him the story. He said, I think that chicken had three legs. He says, oh, it does. He said, what do you mean? He said, I raise them all the time. He said, well, why do you raise three-legged chickens for? He said, well, because I like chicken uh, uh, legs, and my wife likes chicken legs, and my children like chicken legs, so, you know, I'm trying to get more legs out of a chicken. So, well, that's wonderful. How does it taste? He said, I don't know. We've never caught one of them yet. <laughs> I mean, everything's going so fast, isn't it? Just boom, and it's over with. But today is the last day of 2023, and we're entering into what we call a brand new year, 2024, and I cannot believe it. And with the kind of world that we're living in, there's so much uncertainty taking place on what our future will look like and what our future is actually going to bring. None of us really know what we might face in the next 12 months, and many are fearful and afraid and even worried. And the world, if the world keeps accelerating like it has in the last 20 years, then we have a dim look of our future outcome as a nation because I want to tell you, darkness is beginning to prevail. Today's New Year's sermon is going to be a different New Year's sermon than what you've ever heard before in your life, probably. It's different than what I've ever preached. And instead of looking ahead and casting vision into the year of 2024, I'm going to lead us backwards, and I want us to look back, back in time, back in our past. We cannot have a pure vision of the future without, first of all, 
all, revisiting and reflecting back on our past as believers here at the Palace of Praise. And even though it is true that we need to leave the past, certain segments of the past, yet it is also true that we have to take certain segments of the past with us. We hear people always saying, we need to live on the cutting edge. We need to leave, leave in the past. But our past as believers is different than the past of an unbeliever. We cannot have victory in 2024 until we learn how to stay focused on where our victory actually comes from. I believe in vision. I believe in revelation. I believe in anticipation. I believe in expectation. I believe in cutting edge ministry. I believe in change. I believe in casting vision, and we'll be doing that. But what I don't believe in is us allowing the times to change us to where we leave our, our biblical guidelines, standards, and instructions, and patterns to satisfy cultural relevance. The message this morning that I'm going to be preaching to you and my New Year's message is going to be the power of Calvary. Calvary has to be the center of our vision as we go forward within our future. I want you to know Calvary's not a place where we bow one time in our lives and get saved and then leave it as if it never has any kind of bearing on our lives ever again. I submit to you here today, church, that Calvary has to be revisited every day of our lives. Every decision that we make, every change that we make, every move that we make has to be governed by the cross. It has to be governed by Calvary. It has to flow from Calvary. It has to come out of Calvary. It has to be birthed from Calvary. And it has to flow through Calvary in order for us to be able to embrace it. I refuse to do anything in this church unless it's got the approval of Calvary upon it. Can I have an amen? A matter of fact, we are to be crucified with Christ and we are to take up our cross and die daily and follow him. If we do not do this, we cannot be as discipled. You cannot even be discipled if you don't die daily at the cross of Christ. Our proper identity relies on our proper view of Calvary. How we view Calvary determines everything that we're going to be and everything that we're ever going to do. If we do not have a proper identity of Calvary, then you and I will never have a proper identity of who we are in Christ. We'll never understand who we are and we'll never understand what God wants to do to our lives if we don't understand the provisions of the cross. You and I as believers have to live at the foot of the cross and we have to embrace the power of Jesus' crucifixion, his burial, and his resurrection for our lives. Galatians 2 and 20 tells us that I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, not I, but Christ living within me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who died and gave himself for me. Paul said, I live because of the, my crucifixion with Christ. Matter of fact, that's why that Paul told us in 1 Corinthians 2 and 2, he said, I don't want you to know any, I don't want to know anything among you as an apostle except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Even though I, I even though the event of Jesus dying on the cross happened over 2,000 years ago, yet it is the springboard of life for today. All issues of life flow from Calvary. It flows out from the side of the bleeding side of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I want you to know the first thing that God done with the first Adam was he put him to sleep and he took a rib out, opened him up, took a rib out, and out of that side of Adam, out of that rib, he made a woman. He made a wife. He made a bride. And I want you to know that when Jesus was hanging up on that cross and that Roman soldier come by and speared him in the side, I want you to know out of that side came his bride, the church. You and I are birthed and born again by the blood of Jesus Christ that he shed on that cross. We are a recipient. We are who we are today.
away because of Jesus on the cross. Can I have an amen? There's no life outside of the cross. Jesus died that you and I might have life. I'm not going to preach to you a normal, practical, usual message on the cross. I'm not going to do that. Even though there are many elements and segments to the message of the cross, there's the segment of his death, his suffering, his purpose, and we could go on and on, but I think most of us understand the real basic reasons of why Christ died on the cross. Number one, he died to be our Savior. He could become our substitute. He died in our place to purchase our eternal salvation. Yet I just want to preach a couple of points that the Holy Spirit's placed upon my heart here today for this congregation as we go into our new year of 2024. First of all, every day of 2024, I want us to direct our attention back to the cross. Every decision that we make, I want it to be considered in the light of the cross and of the suffering of Jesus Christ. I want the cross to govern every move we make, every decision that we make as a church. It needs to govern our emotions, which is our feelings. It needs to govern our thinking, which is our mind. It needs to govern our actions, which is our works. We don't need to be working just to be working. We need it to flow from Calvary. There's no hopeful future without the cross. Can I have an amen? Is somebody all right with what I'm preaching here today? Everything we do, everything we become, everything that we represent must come from us flowing out from underneath the shadow of the cross. The palace of praise in the year 2024 is glory in the cross. We've got a glory in the cross of Jesus Christ. There's no future for us if we lose sight of the cross. What concerns me, and it's a great frustration to me as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ and as a minister of the cross, there's so many Christians that go to church every Sunday and every Wednesday, but they still, they're still functioning without knowing all the rights and the privileges that the cross has offered and provided for them. And it's so unfortunate that the 21st century church as a whole as a, 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 has failed to maximize and utilize the benefits that God has ordained and bequeathed to us as the saints. In other words, he's willed things to us. When he died, he had a will, and he willed some things to you and I. Knowing about the cross without knowing the authority and the benefits and the provisions of the cross will keep us from experiencing all that God has in store for us, and it will keep us from going into our potential, which will affect our future. So if you want a hopeful future, then you got to go back to the cross. If you want to know what your future is going to be like, you got to go back and see how your view of the cross is. And every day, your decisions has got to be based upon what flows from out from underneath that cross. Can I have an amen? When we lose sight of the cross, we lose sight to a hopeful and a, and a prosperous future because the power to live abundant life only comes by the way of the cross. It was Jesus says, I give you life and I give it to you more abundantly. What the cross provided for you and me is, it is the opportunity to see what we can do beyond the normal everyday routines of life that is dictated us by the circumstances around us. Our view of life cannot be the same view that the world holds, which is a limited view set by circumstances controlled, which controls the, the sinner's feelings, his emotions, dictate his actions and everything else. But we cannot live seeing through the lens of the eyes of the world, but our hope comes from the revelation of the provisions of the cross and what he's provided for you and I for this day. It's not the circumstances that should dictate to us our way of life, but it should be the provisions of the cross. It don't matter what circumstances is screaming at me. I've got a provisions that's greater than the circumstance. I've got a victory that the world don't understand. 
hand. I've got a provision I can tap into when there's nothing else to go to. When there's nowhere to run, there's a place to hide. It's in the cross of Jesus Christ. Oh, somebody give him praise. Hallelujah. Did you know the cross is the key to God invading the difficult or the mundane circumstances of life just like he invaded the tomb of Jesus after he died on the cross where he flipped things around by raising Jesus from the dead in order to reveal his power and his authority? What appeared in the eyes of the Lord or the world to be defeat was actually victory. And some of the things you're going through, you don't understand. What appears to be defeat, it's going to be actually victory because he's going to flip it around. He's going to invade your circumstance. There's a provision greater than what you're going through in your circumstance. Many churches gather every week. They sing about God's power. They talk about God's power. They teach about God's power. They preach about God's power. But rarely ever do you ever hear them testify and seeing and experience in the power of Almighty God. Things have to change. Seeing that we have the ability to access God's power through the cross. I want you to know when that open side opened up, the heavens were open. The, the veil had been rent. It had been torn from top to bottom. And now you and I have access into the very holies of holies. It ain't no priest that's got to go in for me. There's not somebody that's got to pray my prayers. It's not somebody that I have to run to to pay alms to. I have access, free access. Me who was sometimes a off, I may not by the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm accepted by grace and now I've got a God that can come to my rescue because of the cross. Oh, hallelujah. Well, praise God. I told myself my style of preaching is going to change a little bit. I said, I've got to quit being so much of a yeller and a screamer. I can't help it because I get excited. I get excited about the cross and the provisions and what he's provided for me. It is sad, but it is, it is sad, but it's as a whole, the biggest majority of Christians have never seen God twick or twist or tweak or turn things beyond their human comprehension. God help us. I had a minister friend some time ago, some 10 years ago. We were talking and it just, it just he's one of my mentors, one of the guy I got a lot of confidence in. He said, I've been pastoring for 20 years, Kent, but I can honestly say I've never seen a bona fide miracle that I know of. I looked at him, what in the world are you talking about? He said, I've heard people testify of what I call generic miracles. I had a cold and I prayed about it and the codes went away, praise the Lord. But when it comes to a real genuine bonafide miracle, I can honestly say that I've never seen one. I've never experienced one. My main goal for the message this morning is on the hope of the cross for today and tomorrow and forever. I want to tell you, the power of the cross is still available. The cross has not lost its power. I'm here to tell you there's power and victory in the church. We don't have to live a mundane life. We don't have to be a mediocre church. We don't have to come in and compromise our standards and be culturally relevant in order to gain a crowd. We don't have to lose out because we still have a standard. There is a power in the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. Can I have an amen? The power of the future of the church lies in the power of our identity in the cross. Oh, hallelujah. We have to learn about the surpassing greatness and power and authority of the cross so that we can respond praising God to where Jesus has not died in vain. 
The power of the cross manifesting his provision must be seen and experienced by the church of today. You know why? Because there's strong delusions beginning to take place. We're living in the last days. There's, good, there's a great phenomenon going on right now around the world. It's happening right here in the United States even. That phenomenon is not what you think it is. All kinds of people, it's just beginning to happen in the last several months, and it seems to be accelerating fastly, where people are seeing visions of the Mother Mary, and they're being healed. And everybody's so excited, even Christendom is excited, and the scholars of the church and the scholars of the word said, what's going on? And all of a sudden, it dawned on me, what's happening? We're living in the day of strong delusions. Don't get me wrong, I'm gonna offend some people here, but I can't help it. Don't get excited about a vision of Mother Mary healing you because if you're healed, you're not healed by Mother Mary. Now I'm about to preach. I'm gonna make some people mad because it's not culturally relevant to say some of the things I'm about to say. But I'm here to tell you, if you're healed, you're healed by Jesus and Jesus alone. Mother Mary is not your high priest. Mother Mary is not your intercessor. Mother Mary is not your advocate. Mother Mary is not your savior. Savior. Even Mary had to have a savior. She was just as much of a sinner as anybody else. Though she was highly favored and among women and found favor with God, so are you highly favored. And so have you found favor with God. She's no more special than anybody. Come on, somebody. I want you to know Mary's not someone to pray to. Mother's, Mary, mother's, the mother of Mary. Mary, the mother of Jesus, is not someone to idolize and put up on a pedestal. I want to tell you something, folks. I want to tell you there's only one way to be saved. Somebody says, well, what's taking place here? How's this happening? I want to tell you there's many afflictions in the world. Some of them are because of the curse upon the land. And some of you are sick because of nature, because of the curse, because it's just a, a thing of the world. It's, it's a thing that happened because of the fall a man. It's the things we eat. It's the way we live our lives. It's the things we eat. It's the things we don't do properly. Come on. Some of it's self-inflicted. Some of it ain't of the devil. Some of it's just nature running its course because of the curse. But then there are also afflictions of the enemy. There's spirits of infirmity. There's spirits of affliction. There's spirits of sickness. I'm not, you know, everybody says, well, all sickness is of the devil. All sickness comes and stems from the curse. All sickness necessarily isn't an affliction of Satan. Sometimes it's just a result of the curse of the land and a curse upon the land and a curse upon us. This old body's going to deteriorate. It's going to die someday. Where the older you get, things are going to get dimmer. Come on, somebody. Already I'm running out of air. Can I have an amen? So what the, what the lower enemy's doing is he's setting up strong delusions to deceive the end time. Matter of fact, Jesus said if it would even very be possible that in the end time even the very elect should be deceived. That's where we're at. We're at the closing hours here. So what is Satan doing? 
he's putting affliction upon people. And then he comes as an angel of light. And he comes in his strong delusions. And he appears as a mother Mary in a vision. And then all of a sudden they're healed. And it gives them the idea that Mary healed them. And it brings them into idolatry. And it gives them a false God. And it gives them a false belief. And then he withdraws the affliction. I'm here to tell you that there is the real and there's the, there is the counterfeit, but there's also the real. There's a real. It's the power of Jesus Christ that's able to bring healing, true healing to the people. Can you have an amen? Somebody give the Lord praise in this place. The cross is all about us learning how to give Christ free access. Say free access. And complete rule, say complete rule. And authority, say authority, over our lives as heirs of his eternal inheritance. Some of you say, I do that. Well, you don't do it either. You, ha- you struggle with allowing different people to have authority over you. You struggle always. We're always wanting to be on top. We're always wanting to be in charge. We always want to push our agenda. If we're doing it in the natural, we're doing it in the spiritual as well. We are to be the heirs of salvation. An heir is legally entitled to the possessions of the property or the rank of another on the person's death. An heir is a person inheriting and continuing the legacy of his predecessor. We are to live as Christ lived on the earth because we are his predecessor, uh, we are his body, and we are his predecessor. We are, we are to possess what Christ possessed for us upon the cross. We're to protect, keep, and continue what Jesus initiated and started in his earthly ministry. What did he start in his earthly ministry? Acts 10 and 38, how they got anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went around doing good, healing all those oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. We are his heirs. We are to continue his legacy. He has given us the authority to do that by the power of the cross. Jesus even said in John 14, 12, greater works than these as you do, greater works than these shall you do because I go to my Father. We are heirs of God and we are joint heirs of Jesus Christ. It's not acceptable for believers to walk around with all kinds of baggage, always in need of deliverance. Come on, I'm gonna preach hard right here. It's not acceptable for Christians to live enslaved to strongholds or bondage to addictions or controlled to strange affections or are driven by strange flesh and strange lust, come on. It's not acceptable for Christians to always live with fears and anxieties and worries and they fret and they live in disbelief and unbelief. I wanna tell you, we have a hopeful future through the cross, but we have to learn how to appropriate the provisions of the cross. I wanna tell you, even in the light of prevailing circumstances, we got to learn how to, uh, how to appropriate the provisions of that cross. It's just like this. Jesus said in the last days that he pour out his spirit upon all flesh through the prophet Joel. In this, but also, it says in the last days that the iniquity is going to abound to the point that many are going to leave the faith. So we're going to see something happen spontaneously. You're going to see a rise of apostasy and iniquity and the rise of righteousness at the very same time. Right in the middle of a revival, you're going to see a people of iniquity come in to try to rob the people, but you're going to see the Spirit of God be poured out and bless the people. You're going to see opposing forces in these last days. And when this begins to happen, you and I are going to have to learn how to appropriate the provisions of the cross and be overcomers, or we're going to be sucked in in this end time, and we're going to be lost. Can I have an amen? 
Even though we have to mature, we have to grow, we have to learn, we have to receive instruction, we have to have knowledge. How many knows that? Yet there are far too many so-called ministries that glorify the power of the strongholds as if they got more power than, and they dismiss the, the power of the provisions of the cross. And they do it by teaching a five-step program to, to victory, by putting them through a series of classes on breaking strongholds, by creating a formula for breaking generational curses, by setting up a series of counseling so we can counsel your way out of this. Now, don't get me wrong. Hang on. I'm, I, those of you that's got ministries in those areas, don't you, listen to me. I know that there are strongholds that exist. I know that there are bondages that are very real. I know that instruction and counseling is needed. Can I have an amen? But we have to get away from the formulas, the systems, the programs that we formed within those events, and we have to bring these people back to the cross. It has to be pointed back to the cross. A lesson that's taught uh, or an outline or a book read or a counseling session that does not constantly bring you back to the cross is not worth the time setting in or taking up and reading. I want you to know Paul, listen to me, Paul understood and recognized warfare. He said, there is a war in my members. He said, there's a war, there's a struggle inside of me. And then he said, uh, he said, uh, the flesh lusted against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other. And it causes me to do the things that are not. He says, it's like a battle going on inside of me. But he doesn't leave us there. When you begin to read the book of Romans, and I don't have time to cover all the different chapters that he does. He starts out in struggle, but he ends up in victory. He starts out with failure, but he ends up being faithful. Come on, somebody. How does he do it? Because he said, I want to tell you, I've learned the lesson. I didn't go down and have to go through a five-step program. He used the word words like this. He said, I reckon the deeds of my mortal body. He said, I crucify, I mortify. I, he said, I, I, I consecrate, I sanctify. And then he comes up and he says, the key to it all is this, I die daily. Every day that I live, I fall by the foot of the cross and I give my life wholly to him every single day. Can I have an Amen. Joyce Myers, they asked her one time, said, when did you get saved? She said, every day. Amen. If the cross alone cannot deliver people, then you can't be delivered. Deliverance comes by the way of the cross. When Jesus died, he said, it's finished. You know what that means? It means it's finished. It's done. It's complete. It's over. There's nothing to add to. There's nothing to take away from it. Everything needed to be accomplished has already been accomplished. The atoning death of Jesus Christ alone is enough. Did you hear me? The finished work of Christ on that cross is enough. And if it isn't, then he's not our Savior. He's not Lord of all. If it is Christ plus A, B, C, D, E, F, or plus something else, then he's not Lord. He didn't play the, he didn't play the full provision. Come on. Through the cross, the finished work of salvation has been completed and the work of regeneration is provided. We know what regeneration is. It's to be made new. That's what 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says. But if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. and Behold, all things will become new. That's why 2 Peter 3 and 9 says, God is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but God's long-suffering to us. We're not willing that any of us should perish, but all of us should come into repentance. And he tells us that he renews us by the renewing of regeneration. Can I have an Amen. 
at Calvary, chains are unshackled, prison bars are open, enslavement gives way to freedom. Bondages are loose, curses are destroyed, strongholds are broken, addictions are rendered powerless through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ alone is sufficient. And if it's not, if it's Jesus plus this, that, or the other, that, then, then you do not have victory with Jesus alone. There doesn't have to be an additive ingredient. There doesn't have to be a plan, a program, or a procedure that you might have to put in place in order for you to obtain victory. I'm going to help somebody here today. It's not a four-part session, a five-step program. It doesn't take hours and days and months and years for a person finally to wake up and say, well, I finally had a breakthrough and I finally got victory. I want to tell you, that's not the way this thing's supposed to work. There doesn't have to be a wrestling match or a show or a display of great, a great struggle in order to find victory. When Jesus went into the land of Gadara, there he met a man that was demon possessed. He had been driven out of the city because he, they could not tame him. He was naked and he was in the tombs in a cemetery cutting himself. They had tried to chain him with chains, but because of the supernatural strength of demonic activity in his life, he'd break the chains. This is how vile that this man was naked and cutting himself and torment, full of demons. And when Jesus stepped out of the boat and he put his foot on the sands of the sea, you don't have to go looking for devils when the presence of God shows up. They'll begin to manifest themselves. And let me tell you, them demons come running. That man fell down and it wasn't the man that spoke. Read it. It was the demons talking to Jesus. And he said, oh Jesus, thou most high, the, the, Jesus, the son of God, the highest of all. He said, what have we to do with thee? He said, why have you come to torment us before our time? They knew they were already in trouble. Why? Because light had sprung up in a dark place. Jesus had showed up upon the sands of the sea. And when he got there and they come running and he fell down and began to say, what do we do? Why are you here? Are you here to torment us before our time? There was a, a herd of swine that some people had, some Jewish people had, that they were out there grazing and that all of a sudden the demons said don't let us don't, don't, don't cast us out unless you cast us out and put us in those pigs give us a place to dwell and you know what Jesus said go and they went and when they went in and entered into the herd of the swine, the swine violently ran off of a cliff and fell into a sea and drowned it. Even a hog had enough sense to, not know, to know not to let a demon dwell in them. Come on, somebody. And let me tell you, Jesus didn't have to sit out there. The word legion means 5,000. There was over 5,000 demons present that day. And Jesus didn't have to spend hours. He didn't have to spend weeks. There didn't have to be a big show. There didn't have to be oil slung on people's foreheads everywhere. There didn't have to be a lot of shouting, a lot of growling, a lot of wrestling, a lot of fighting. Jesus just stood there and said, go! And boom, they were gone. There's victory in Jesus Christ. If the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. Can I have an amen? No, the truth, truth is Jesus, and the truth will set you free. When we start involving or bringing the human element into it, we begin to pollute the blood of Christ by rendering ineffective. Now, hang with me. If we're not careful, we will see people's attention on the plans, the procedures, and the programs, and the works, what I call religion instead of the power of the cross. Come on. 
You know what happened? We begin to direct them. Well, if you're going to be delivered, you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to be this, you got to try this, you got to speak this, you got to confess that, you got to, you got to, you got to kneel here, you got to pray, you give them all these conditions. And then you know what we like to do as ministers? We'll sell our books, our CDs, and our series. Come on, we'll promote our ministries. Kent Miller Breakthrough Ministries. Come on. Come on. And we'll put the emphasis on the man. We'll put the emphasis on the procedure. We'll put the emphasis on the religious practices. Come on. We'll put the emphasis on the counseling instead of the cure. The program instead of the person. And then we'll have people that will become addicted to religious practices and procedures. And in their minds, they have to meet the stipulations, the expectations, and the mandates to those procedures. Or they're not full of victory. That's why a lot of people all the time are going through these steps and they're never getting victory because they have to meet all of the requirements of the steps. They got to do this. They got to do that. They got all these mandates. You got to do this. This is the way you give it. I want to tell you, there's only one way to get victory. Fall at the cross, die, and Jesus will give you victory. Come on. I feel the Holy Spirit here speaking to somebody. There's people that can't live without a counselor. They can't make it without a word. They can't survive without a session. If the class is canceled, they become canceled out themselves. They just fall apart. They can't miss a phone call, an email, a text because their lives exist on the thread of attention and affirmation of another. I have to admit it, but throughout the last 30 years of pastoring, there's been people that if I didn't call constantly, they got offended, they got upset, and they had to constantly have attention and affirmation or they couldn't make it. Their lives were on sinking sand. They had a false identity of who they were. They didn't have a proper view of Calvary. They couldn't stand with by themselves. If you, they called you and said, hey, pastor, you want to go fishing today? And if I'd turn them down, they'd get all upset, thinking that I can just, in a moment of time, just drop what I'm doing and go fishing with them. Man, my calendar is so booked, I got to squeeze my wife in. Come on, somebody. Amen. And we, 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 we don't understand that we get addicted to religious practices. Can I tell you, the, as the old song said that Brother Greer sung, and I asked him to sing, didn't he do a great job? Oh, my goodness. Calvary makes the difference. If it doesn't, then I want to tell you, Jesus died in vain. I like the part in the song that says, I went down to the place where I used to go. Today I saw the same old crowd I knew before. And when they asked me what had happened, I tried to tell them, thanks to Calvary, I don't come here anymore. Oh, hallelujah. Then we went down to the house where we used to live. My little boy ran behind the door like so many times before. And I said, son, you don't have to be afraid. You got a new daddy now, thanks to Calvary. We don't live here anymore. Thanks to Calvary, I'm not the man I used to be. Thanks to Calvary, things are different than before. And as the tears ran down my face, I tried to tell them, thanks to Calvary, I don't come here anymore. I want to tell you the old man is to be dead, rendered ineffective. We're to be, we're to be, we're to be buried in baptism with Jesus Christ. Jenny always asked me, where do you, where do you want to be buried at? Well, what, what, do you think we need to get some plots? 
She tells me, I, I want to be buried over in a certain place. I am not going there. She'll say, I don't want to go to Brosley, and I'm not going to Dudley. And she better not die before I do. Everybody's asking me, where, where do you want to be buried? I want to tell you, I've done been buried. All the filth, all the unrighteousness, all of the unholiness, all the lust, the anger, the jealousy, the wrath, the indignation, and everything that I used to be is buried right over there. There's an old baptistry right there. And I've, every once in a while, I just sometimes need to go by and visit my grave and look at it and say there was a funeral that took place, maybe not at this baptism, but it's a baptism where, uh, representing where I was baptized. To go to that old grave and says, there's the old Kent Miller. He's dead. He's rendered ineffective. I've done been buried and crucified with Christ. I'm a new creature now. I can walk away and leave my past, and that past can never haunt me again. That past has been rendered ineffective. I am new. I am cleansed. I am washed. I am justified. Isn't that what the Apostle Paul said? Amen. But thanks to Calvary, we're not the man we used to be. Calvary will cause your walk to change. It'll cause your talk to change. It'll cause your thinking to change. Calvary will even tell your mind what to think. Calvary will cause you not to go where you once went. Calvary will cause you not to do the things you used to do. Calvary will cause you to love what you hated and hate what you loved. All I can say is thank God for Calvary. Paul said, do you not know that the unrighteous should not, not inherit the kingdom of God? Do we not deceive neither fornicators or adulterers or idolaters nor homosexuals nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, and on and on and on will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you are washed. But you are sanctified. But you were justified in the name of the Lord and by the Spirit of our God. And when the devil tries to remind you of your past, say, hold it, buddy. I've been washed. I've been justified. I've been sanctified. I've been to the foot of the cross. You might ask if Calvary is all-powerful, and it is, then why do we not see more victory? And why do we see so many failing, weak, anemic Christians? Before Calvary, we were addicted, enslaved, in bondage, shackled, in prison. We couldn't help ourselves. We were born into sin. Sin's reproach was upon us. But after Calvary, we have a choice now, a free choice. It ain't always easy. We suffer in choices sometimes. I'm trying to lose weight. And when a ding-dong stares me in the face, I suffer. <laughs> Every time the devil dangles something in front of you as a believer, you've got a choice. you no longer enslaved. You don't no longer have to take it. Come on, somebody. You've got a choice. When the enemy tries to tell you to think the way you used to think and keep all that garbage and hurt and scars and, and, and the injustices and the hate and the, and the jealousy and the unforgiveness, you've got a choice as a believer. And now, all we've got to do is learn how to appropriate the provisions of the cross. We've got to run back to the, when you struggle, struggle at the foot of the cross. Take it to the cross Take, we try to hide it, and then we feel condemned. 
then we try to confess it to somebody to make ourselves feel better, and then we get embarrassed, and we feel condemned even more. And we wall around in our guilt, and we try to do everything we do to try to find freedom. There's only one way to find freedom. It's a surrenderance at the cross. If we're anemic, it's because we're not living at Calvary. Calvary's not a place just to visit. It's a place to live. Actually, it's a place to die. When Jesus died and made us an heir, this means that he has given us the authority over all that he has possessed. Every provision of the cross, deliverance, healing, empowerment, righteousness, holiness, sanctification, wholeness, it belongs to us as a believer. Come on. All we have to do is claim it. It's been willed to us. We are Jesus' heir. The problem is we don't believe it enough to appropriate it. To appropriate means to take for one's own use to fulfill a special purpose. The cross is what demonstrates Christ's authority. When we struggle, we need to get to the foot of the cross. We need to die out daily until we get a perspective of Jesus' kingdom mentality of who we are. We have to die to self. As I said earlier, the cross is all about us learning how to give Christ free access and complete rule and authority over our lives as heirs of his eternal inheritance. Look at somebody and say, you have an inheritance. We have to embrace the cross. We have to follow his provisions, and we, we, have, to, we have to allow his provisions to flow through us. As a matter of fact, God does not want us to be ignorant of his provisions. Listen to what the Bible tells us, and I'll close in just a minute. Ephesians 1, verse 18 and 19. The eyes of your understanding be enlightened. Say your eyes being enlightened. Now, God wants to open your eyes that you may know. Say that I might know. Not guess, not guesswork. I can know it. What the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance is in the saints. And what the exceedingly greatness, say greatness, of his power, say power. To usward, say usward. Who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Now, did you get everything? Now, we could preach a lot of sermons right there. God wants every saint to know what the hope and the riches and the glory of his inheritance is. He wants us to understand his provisions. It's like a, a, a billionaire. He dies, and everybody's anxious to open the will to see how rich they become. Well, I want to tell you, Jesus died on that cross, and he's given me an inheritance. And he says, it's yours for the taking. I was talking to a man last night who lives in Texas. And he had had a rough life. He was been put in prison. Stayed most, several, 15, 20 years in prison. He got out, and we've kept in touch over the years. And um, he was telling me, he said, you know what's so funny? He said, while I was in prison, one of the guys, he lived here in Popper Bluff at one time. He said, one of the guys, old men in Popper Bluff that lived there, that took a liking to me, he died. I got a letter from his son saying, I've been holding an inheritance for you from my dad. And he said, man, I can't get up into Missouri to get it. And he said, just keep it. He said, no, you might want to come and you might want to get this inheritance. It was a pretty, I guess, good something of great value. And he said, no, it's just not worth me traveling up there. And he rejected the inheritance. And I thought, how foolish. Man, all it is is a trip. Go up and claim your inheritance. And then it hit me. 
How many of us as Jesus has went to the cross and died and purchased you a glorious inheritance and died and then give it to you as an inheritance and we won't take claim of it. We don't know how to appropriate it. He wants the greatness of his power to be manifested to us and revealed through us. God can do exceedingly abundantly above anything that you're even able to ask or think by the power that worketh mightily in you. Where does all this hope, greatness, power, glory, inheritance come from? He answers that in closing in first of Ephesians 1, 20 through 23. When he wrought in Christ, which he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, for above all principalities, powers, and might, and dominions, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. And he's put all things under his feet and given him to be the head over all things, even the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. The provision of the cross has been given to the church, and the fullness of that inheritance belongs to them. All authority, all power, all glory, all dominion has been given to us, and all things are under our feet, all because of the cross. Amen? The only thing that can reveal and manifest and display the surpassing greatness of God is the provisions that come through the cross. Colossians 2, 14 and 15 says that Jesus has disarmed sin's power over us. How? Listen. Blotting out the handwritings of ordinances that was against us. Everything that was against me, everything that I ever done was recorded. Everything that was ugly and vile and sinful, everything that I'm ashamed of, it was written down. But God brought those handwritings of ordinance against me out, took it out of the way, because they were contrary to me. They were out to destroy me. And then he says, and he took them out of the way by nailing it to the cross. And then he spoiled every principality, power, and he made a show over them openly, triumphant over them. In other words, everything that the enemy wants to throw at me, he's already given me the inherent ability to overcome him because he is triumphant openly in my life, declaring that I'm his and he's mine. Can I have an amen? Would you stand with me today? Hallelujah. I don't know what some of you are going through here today, but even as believers, we go through things. It don't make us unbelievers. It don't make us sinners. But even us sinners don't always, uh, us Christians don't always appropriate everything that we need to appropriate in our life. I'm being guilty of it. You've been guilty of it. Come on. How many ever thought that you was going to obtain some kind of a thing through your much fasting? So you go on this big fast to meet the stipulations to try to obtain what you want to obtain. And then at the end of the fast, you didn't get what you wanted and you wondered why because you were putting your confidence and your ability to fast in order to bring about the victory. When you can't bring about your own victory, all you got to do is already claim the victory that Jesus already provided and give him the glory for it because he'll not give you anything for he don't get glory for it. We trick ourselves through all this religious garbage. Come on. There's not anything that you're going through that for exceeds the provision or the power of the cross to take care of in your life. God can tweak, he can twist, he can turn, he can invade your situations by you just simply believing in the cross. Lord,
Here I am. I'm vulnerable. Come before him openly, casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. Amen? I, I, I'm ready for us to walk in victory for 2024. For us every day to say, today's the day I got to kneel at the cross. Because it's at the cross where I have communion and sweet fellowship with Jesus. And when I get up, I have a different perspective about things. I got to know my identity. If you don't know your identity, then you can't really be free to be who you are. If there's one thing that I know is the devil is trying to steal the identity of people. He's trying to make girls think they're boys and boys think they're girls. Come on. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel, the first thing that they done when they took them over and took them into captivity is change their names to try to change their identity. And instead of them having Hebrew names, they begin to give them Babylonian names and they were all named after a Babylonian God, trying to identify them with the culture of that day. And the enemy's coming in and he's telling you all kinds of stuff. You're no good. Your mama left you when you was a little boy. Your daddy raped you and you're no value. You deserved it all. And I want to tell you here today, God's wanting you to know all that stuff can be put under the blood of Jesus and it can be rendered ineffective to where it never has rule over you ever again. Come on, somebody. You don't have to go see a shrink or a specialist and go through hours and years of counseling trying to get rid of something in your past. I want to tell you, die at Calvary. Jesus can erase the past. You may never forget, but through the inheritability of the provision of the cross, you'll be able to stand in faith knowing who you are, and your identity will give you victory over your circumstance. I get tickled at people that talk to preachers. I hear people all the time say, Brother Miller, you, you just don't understand where I come from. I want to say, buddy, you don't know my past. They think preachers don't have a past. They think preachers have never been hurt or violated or hurt or have never went through anything. I want to tell you, I have a past. I have some skeletons but they're buried right over there. And I refuse to ever pick them up again. They have no power. I've got a scar right there on my hand. It's a reminder of how I got hurt. But I want to tell you, that scar is an indication I'm healed because it no longer hurts. It no longer has an effect upon me. I got a bad scar right here. 1981, had a car wreck. About took my life. My brain swelled up. My jaws were broken. And they were not giving me much hope. And every day when I look in the mirror, I'm like, man, I got an ugly old scar. And for months, I live with my jaws wired. And, and I went from 178 pounds down to about 130 pounds. Walked around as a zombie and weak and frail with my brain coming down because it had swelled all up. My eyes were swelled shut. Laid in the hospital for I forget how many days, wondering is the boy gonna make it? So I know about injury, I know about harm, I know about hurt. But I wanna tell you that old scar when I look in the mirror has cut my eyelid off. They had to do plastic surgery. Every once in a while, that gets to tingling up there. And I can't feel it because there's too much plastic in there. And I just want to get a fork and just, oh, it's driving me crazy. And every once in a while, 
even the things in the spirit realm. The enemy will come and he'll try to bring up my past and it'll be like an irritation, like that itch that I can't scratch. I can't do nothing about it because it's true. It's what I've went through was real. But you know what happens? I gotta get my mind off of that or that would drive me crazy all the time. And so I, I fix my mind on something else to get away from that, that scratch because there's nothing I can do to make that itch go away. So I have to train my mind. I gotta get my mind off of that. I gotta renew my mind. If I don't, this thing's gonna keep me up all night long. And so I start thinking on the things or I get the Bible, I'll start, I'll do stuff to get my mind off of it. The same way it is in a spiritual sense. You've been violated by somebody, you've been hurt by somebody. Don't carry that around for 30 years and let it rob you of your future. Come on. You had unpleasant circumstances. I feel sorry for you. I wish you hadn't went through that. But listen to me. You know what you got to do? Got to get my mind off of this. That's under the blood. I'm going to take it back to the foot of the cross. And you take it back and you lay it down and you render it ineffectively. And you rise up with victory in Jesus' name. Can I have an amen? Oh, there might be some suffering involved. Like I said, decisions are hard to make. It's a suffering because everything in you wants to do the opposite. And that's what you've got to crucify. It's a crucifixion. It's a, a consecration. It is a mortifying. It is a dying out. Every day as a believer, i got to do that in order to live victorious for Jesus Christ. Every day, got to say no to something. Or every day, got to say yes to God. Every day, got to put off something, and i got to put on something. Every day, got to make a decision. I'm living for God. Every day. If you're here and you're struggling... You need help. Maybe you're here and you're sick and you're afflicted and you need a healing. I just want you to come up here. We want to have a time of prayer with you. Oh, hallelujah. There's power in the cross. Let's start this new year out by reflecting on the cross. The cross. The cross. The cross. The cross where my Savior died. The cross. This ain't aimed at anybody, but I'm here to tell you that I believe that somebody needs to be set free. I believe there's somebody that needs to be saved. Maybe you've never given your life to the Lord. Today's your day. Can I have some ladies just love on her? Lead her to the cross. Just start giving yourself to the cross. Just start saying, here I am, God. Can I have some prayer warriors, please? Get up here fast. Is there any others that need to come? This whole altar ought to be full today. The cross, the cross where my Savior died. The cross. Oh, hallelujah. Help us, Lord. Sing something, John. I surrender my life. I'm in all of you. I'm in all of you. Where your love ran red and my sin washed I owe to you, I owe to you, Jesus. There's a place where mercy reigns and never dies. 
there's a place where streams of grace flow deep and wide. For all the love I've ever found comes like a flood, comes flowing down at the cross. I surrender my life. I'm in all of you. I'm in all of you. Where your love ran red and my sin washed white, I owe all to you. I owe all to you, Jesus. a place where sin and shame are powerless, where my heart has peace with God and forgiveness, where all thing I want us all to do, and I'll save this to the very end. Those of you that have come and you've laid your fears down, your hurts, your pains, your sorrows, you've confessed your anger, you've confessed the things that you've held on to, and you say, Lord, here they are, I lay them down. 
everything that's tried to rob you of your identity, everybody, everything that's tried to condemn you, everything that's tried to shove you down and make you something that you're not, you've let go of it here today. I love what happened from the man of Gadara. When the demons left him, the Bible says that they seen him clothed, sitting in his right mind at the feet of Jesus. How, can you give the Lord praise for that? No longer naked, no longer ashamed, no longer condemned, but clothed, sitting in his right mind at the feet of Jesus. And then he said, let me follow you. Let me follow you. That was his desire. Hallelujah. Our desire is now. Let's leave ourselves buried at the foot of the cross. Let's follow Jesus. Amen. Let's have a wonderful 2024. Can you give the Lord praise? Amen. We're going to pray with these as long as they like. We're going to be here until they leave. But you're dismissed and we will not be having service tonight due to the New Year's. God bless you.